what do cuddly purple dinosaurs, an ark with long-necked giraffes, abortion, cave formations millions of years old, fossil fuels, dragon legends, and stars a billion light years away have in common? How is the teaching of evolution impacting our life today? And if evolution is a proven fact, then how can the Bible be true? Join us today as I interview Reverend Ron Nelson. We'll give you biblical ammunition, stones that can defeat the giant of evolution. And we'll discuss how science proves the Bible is accurate. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. In the studio with me, I have Reverend Ron Nelson. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, Kay, it's so good to be with you today. Well, it is great to talk about this topic of science and the Bible. Uh, tell us just a introduction of, um, of what we need to understand related to this topic. Well, um, of course, as you indicated, evolution is being taught in our schools today, and our children are, are subject to that through their textbooks and their teaching. It's even stronger in the university level, and uh, um, and it's almost you know accepted fact uh, that that it it, it exists, and, and it's it's a, a valid theory. But what we find out is that as science is exploring more and more into the scientific world, they're uncovering some problems with that because as they get into things like genetics, they get into more of the paleontology, studying of fossils and things, there are some problems with, with the theory of evolution that, that come to, to light very quickly. And uh, we know that the Bible is not necessarily a science book, but it is a scientific book. And we're going to look at some things uh, during our program today uh, that help us to understand how the Bible really does talk about good science. That's great. That's great. What's the difference between biblical and scientific evidence then? Well, in evolution, the scientific investigations are kind of like an exercise in uh, forensics. Forensics is uh, the evidence that's gathered to try to explain something that happened in the past, um, like when... Um, uh, law enforcement would try to discover the cause of a crime, for example. Um, but for science, there are no witnesses. No one was there to see what took place. And there's no direct observations made or recorded. But the events of the Bible do have eyewitnesses. And uh, people were there. And people wrote down the documentation. And we've got hard evidence uh, throughout the earth and the universe of what God did when he created Mm, okay, so which evidence is stronger then? Well, science and the Bible seem to be at odds, but shocking as it may sound, all the scientific evidence about the origins of life on Earth support the Bible's record. The Bible's truth is verified through the evidence of biology, through anthropology, chemistry, physics, paleontology, and mathematics. The Bible teaches that God created a world that was quite different from the world we know today. But he preserved the evidence of that world for all to see through the death during the time of the flood. The most amazing thing is science tells us more about what the world, uh, more about the, um, that world that came before the flood than the Bible does. Wow. So why is life so diverse yet so orderly? Well, in the beginning, we know that God created uh, um, 
different kinds of, and that's the word that's used in Scripture, uh, every animal would reproduce after its kind. So in the beginning, God created a specific number of kinds that carried all the genetic code. That's what we would say today. Of course, the Bible doesn't talk that way, but they carried all the genetic code uh, for as long as creation is going to exist. And we know that uh, this through today, through the science of genetics, that that's true. Um, for example, hundreds of species of dogs and cats exist, but they're all still dogs and cats. I mean, they may look so much differently. People would think they're different animals, but they're not. They're all still dogs and cats. Genetically, they're just expressions of different genes that are turned on and off. Uh, and these are adaptations. They're not evolution. Um, for example, and another thing that, that, that we hear a lot is the talk about um, bacteria that's resistant to antibiotics or, or uh, insects that become resistant to insecticides. But if you took a th- another example, if you took a thousand cockroaches in a tank and you sprayed them with insecticide and all of them died except maybe two pair or pick, pick some number, did the four that survived evolve to be resistant to the insecticide? No. Because they were in the tank to start with, they already had the genetic material to resist the insecticide. And in reality, what they are, they're missing the genetic material that the insecticide is targeting. So uh, they have less genetic material, and that's why they survive. If they reproduce, their offspring will be resistant to the insecticide too, but they didn't evolve. Um, Such adaptation is always a result of loss of genetic material rather than a mutation or adding genetic code. So I'm speaking again in in the genetic area, but uh, any biologist would understand that. Uh, By the way, I should let our listeners know that you were a science teacher. That's correct. uh, Before you became a pastor, and you've been doing presentations on uh, these type of topics. Today we have less than a half an hour, but you do, uh, and we'll talk a little bit later about uh, some of the different programs you do and how some of our listeners could connect with you if they're interested in getting Sure, that would be great. And speak. All right. So how do we know what the early er world was like? Well, this is really where science comes into play. The Bible doesn't tell us much. It, It describes events like the flood. It talks about people who were larger than normal. It talks about, we know that the Bible talks about people who live to be almost a thousand years old. And we don't know how that happens, but science helps us to explain that. Because we learn from science that the earth had one climate earlier on before the flood. We learn from science that the earth had one land mass. So people could easily move from one place to another on the earth. We learn from the Bible, not science, that there was no rain. That's in Genesis chapter 2. But we learn again from science that that pre-flood world had 33% oxygen content in the air. Um, And we also learn that the air pressure was much higher. We learn that from bubbles that uh, have been discovered in amber, and they've been analyzed. Um, We know that from science that the Earth had a protective vapor cloud. And we also learn from science that the Earth had a vertical axis, which is now tilted. So when you take all of these things together from science and you, and you help, you, you put them, overlay them on what the Bible tells us about the pre-flood world and the people that lived there, you have a really good idea of what the world looked like. All of that thing, the oxygen, the higher air pressure, the, all those things are, are like a hyperbaric chamber today. For people who have burns or have uh, serious uh, bone breaks, they'll be put in a hyperbaric chamber and they'll heal very fast. And so that's one of the reasons why the people live so old. First of all, they were more genetically pure. And then they had all these conditions that helped them to live a long time, be healthy. That's so interesting. How is the evidence 
preserved? Well, Ken Ham in Answers of Genesis in uh, at Answers in Genesis likes to say that um, there are billions of dead things. Uh, uh, buried in the earth all over the world that were uh, buried underwater. And uh, what he's really describing is the time of the flood. And really, that science relies on that same information because we all know that they are fossil hunting all the time. And so where do they get these fossils? They're in uh, layers of sedimentary rock that were laid down by water. And they find them all over the world. Um, and so um, that's that's where science uh, uh, begins uh, has begun to get its evidence the first evidence was the discovery of, of um, um, dinosaurs, what we call dinosaurs today, that were buried. Um, and, and it's really interesting because science will will not will not say that we had a flood here on Earth, even though we've got so much water. But the rovers on Mars that they have up there now, they're doing all these kind of experimentation. And scientists believe that Mars had a global flood at one time, they say, because of the evidence in the rocks. But they won't say that about the Earth. And the only reason they won't say it about the Earth is because the Bible says it happened. Right, right. Isn't that amazing? How does science support, then, the the Bible accounts. Well, the more sophisticated science gets in its explorations, the closer they're going to get to prove that Scripture is correct. I mean, if science is after the truth, they're going to find the truth. God's going to direct them to find the truth. And the truth is what we read in Scripture. If science is really after the truth, that's what they're going to uncover. And so through archaeology, we found uh, evidence of biblical sites that are recorded in the Bible. In paleontology, we uh, discover the fossils, and, and actually, they've actually discovered an unfossilized uh, T-Rex. It, 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 the bones that were discovered in, um, in uh, 1997, it was reported by Mary Schweitzer from Montana State University in an article called The Real Jurassic Park. She talks about how they found this T-Rex uh, skeleton that had unfossilized bones, had red blood cells, and it had, had um, uh, still had muscle meat on, on the bones. Now, how could that be millions of years old couldn't be possible uh we also find out from physics because uh, they they have discovered that the speed of light is not constant but it's variable which is uh, we won't we won't get in the weeds on it and go into all the details but i'm just summarizing and in geology we found uh at the time of the mount st helens eruption it helped science understand how uh, things that are catastrophic uh, can make uh, earth forms like the Grand Canyon happen in just hours, actually literally hours. And in biology, we learn about the complexity of the cell and all the genetic processes. So that all helps us. That's great. That's great. So how much does the Bible say about creation? Well, we think that uh, in the Bible, it only talks about creation in Genesis, and, and that's not really true. Um, it talks about creation in a lot of different places. For example, it says in 2 Timothy 3, it says, Men who are always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. These men oppose the truth. Men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because their folly will be clear to everyone. And so the Lord promises us that uh, people who don't follow the Bible's um, uh, prerogatives are going to be discovered eventually because it'll all come true. Uh, and then in Exodus, uh, we read that for, uh, for in four and six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. So it's, it's in Exodus, not just in Genesis. Mm -hmm. So... How much is said about creation then outside of Genesis? Well, let's go to uh, some of Paul's writing. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, starting with verse 15. Uh, um, and it, sa it says this. It says, 
uh, and it's talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in the heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Before the mountains were born, this is Psalm 90, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That tells us that God exists out of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, for God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to exist out of time actually is a scientific concept um, where the um, the creator a thing that's created is always created by something that's not related to the creation, and that's the and that's a scientific uh, uh, concept. And so the Bible actually verifies that when it talks about Jesus uh, and the Holy Spirit and uh, the Father all being outside of creation. The other interesting thing we know John one. I'm people are rec- uh, they recognize in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So lots of verses yes. about and, and it. Go, I mean, it actually goes into even more depth in Proverbs because we, we have a, um, a passage there in Proverbs 8 uh, that talks about Jesus being uh, assisting uh, the Father in the creation of the world. And he says, Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. And uh, Paul keeps uh, on going on the same theme in Romans chapter 1 where he says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature— have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles." And I have a little parenthetical uh, note there that that's like fossil worship. And so, I mean, when evolutionists uh, throw God to the side and they worship images that look like man and birds and animals and reptiles, they're doing exactly what Paul said in Romans chapter 1. We're going to continue talking about that. I just have a few announcements. Each week, Family Shield offers a complimentary booklet to our radio listeners. This week, we're offering Reasons to Believe. To receive the booklet, call the Family Shield Response Center toll-free 1-877-317-4326. Don't forget, you can sign up to receive the Family Shield complimentary email newsletter on our homepage, 
at www.familyshieldministries.com. It shares upcoming radio topics and guests that you can use yourself or you can promote at your congregation. Again, I want to mention my guest is Reverend Ron Nelson. And right before the uh, program started, I asked if he would be willing to be one of our uh, speakers on our Speakers Bureau that's on our website in case some of the congregations or groups uh, would like to have him come and speak. He does extensive seminars on this topic, and uh, I we will be putting that up soon, so you just watch for that on our website, www.familyshieldministries.com. We also have some of the agencies on our LinkedIn recommended links uh, on our website, the uh, information about Answers in Genesis and Creation Research uh, Institute so that you can find more resources. And I want to just go back to my guest again and continue talking about this important topic. So I understand that the creation account describes the relationship of energy and matter. What do you mean by that? Well, that would be a surprise to most people because you don't think of the Bible as a science book. No. But there is really good science in the Bible, if you know where to look for it. We're going to find some in just a, a minute, in the next few minutes here. Okay. Um, in in a, Hebrews 11.3, that's that's where we get this, this idea. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. In other words... You know, this table that we're, that's in front of us here in the studio is, is solid. And so we are too. And so all the things we're, 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 we recognize or we see are solid objects, but we, we know that everything is composed of, uh, molecules and atoms. And now they talk about quarks and they talk about vibrating strings, you know, and so, uh, everything, all matter is related to energy. And uh, the Bible talks about that in Genesis chapter 1, the very first verses, verses 2 and 3 of Genesis 1, because it says there was no earth. It was formless and void, just like uh, in Hebrews 11 just said it was created, made out of what was was not visible. Um, And the first thing that God created out of darkness was light. And we all know, physicists know, that light is actually energy. And so the very first thing that God created was energy. And then out of the energy, he formed the earth, the stars, the sun, the whole universe, and everything that exists. And so God knew that relationship between energy and matter. So from energy then distilled out everything else that we have. And that was all in his creation process. And and we asked the question, why? That's because we know Einstein's famous formula, energy equals mass times the speed of light squared, which is the basis for taking taking mass and turning it back into energy like the atomic bomb. Uh, and so we discovered that much, much later, but God also already had that in mind. It was part of his creative process, the, that relationship of energy and matter. And most people don't think of the Bible as as making that equation between energy and matter. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So uh, the earth, is it a sphere? 
of course we know now it is. Um, but for a long time, you know, we read back in the days of Columbus, they were afraid they were going to sail off the edge of the earth. And the, because uh, some people said, well, it, this also came from the Bible, that the, the message of God would go out to the four corners of the earth. And so people took that literally and said, well, the earth must have four corners. But they only read one passage in Scripture, and they didn't understand exactly what that meant. Um, because the Bible is very clear about what the earth looks like. And, and until we could travel in space... And we could put uh, space travelers out in capsules by at the moon, turn around, take pictures of the Earth, uh, or fly over the Earth. We didn't know what the Earth really... We, no one had a view of that. Mm-hmm. But back in the Bible, it's there. It, the view of the Earth uh, from space is actually in the Bible. And we read that in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22. It says, He sits enthroned above the circle of the Earth, And its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. And so there it tells us that the earth is a circle. Mm -hmm. And even more amazing in Job chapter 26, starting with verse 7, the Bible says this. He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. Now, can, just imagine a globe. You know, you, you've seen, everyone's seen globes, and, and you've seen pictures of the Earth from space. Here it is. He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the Earth on nothing. He wraps up the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under their weight. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. He marks out a circle on the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. Now, that circle around the earth has got a technical name. It's called the Terminator. It's not a movie, but Mm -hmm. that just happens to be the name of that. That Terminator, which is the boundary between light and darkness, if you trace it all the way around the earth, it forms a circle. And so here was Job talking about that Terminator that goes around the earth. How would he know that? Only through inspiration or only because uh, God gave him the picture. Uh, And so here we have the Bible being very, very clear about what does the earth look like from space. So there is science in the Bible. And these things were written. Oh, way before. Hundreds and thousands of years ago. We need to remember that, too. The Bible uh, upholds science. So uh, what is related to the earth that is designed for life? Well, we know because of Genesis that God created the earth and he created it as a a habitable place for all the life that he then created during uh, that week of creation. Um, And this is what it says in Isaiah uh, chapter 45, verse 18. For this is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, and he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but he formed it to be inhabited. Now, that's what the Bible says, and that's also scientific. Because we learn from science, not from the Bible, but we learn the facts from science. Scientists, astronomers tell us that that if the earth were 2% closer to the sun, all the water would evaporate. And if the earth were 2% further from the sun, all of our water would be frozen. And so the earth is in exactly the perfect position for life. It's only within that that 2% closer or 2% further. Uh, It couldn't be any any more perfect. And and the other thing that uh, we know about water is 
that's also a special creation by God because water expands as it solidifies. Now, people say, oh, yeah, big deal. We know ice, ice cubes float in water, okay, or in a drink. But that's very, very important. Uh, it's important because um, the uh, um, th- all the ponds in the wintertime, if the ice formed and sunk to the bottom instead of floated on the top, they would all... Uh, eventually be solid ice oh wow this is great we have about four minutes okay. left so i'm going to let you know that uh if we you know I, I want you to um deal with the most important aspects of what we have left so you you let me know all right well i, I think i think uh one of the things that the bible has is uh it has human genetics in it and i think that's very vital for us to understand uh, the relationships of human humans to to god as creator the genetic basis for human life is biblical And we read from Genesis, the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. Well, that's scientific. It's biblical, but it's also scientific because a male has X and Y chromosomes in his cells. A female has X and X chromosomes. That means the female had to come from the male. The male genetic code XY could not have originated with a woman who is XX. So there would you could never create a male, an XY male, out of an XX female. So the woman had to come from the XY genetics of the man. That's what the Bible tells us happened. Uh, there's no source in a female for the y cro- male Y chromosome. So even genetically, creation is absolutely correct. And, co- and we didn't find these things out about genetics uh, until very recently in our, in our scientific history. And, and in Genesis 3.20, Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all the living. Um, um, John Noble Wilford in the New York Times back in 1995 had a uh, an article called Genetic Sluice Follow Clues, and they found out that by studying mitochondrial DNA, that's the DNA that's left after a, a birth of, of a child, they tr- they traced that back to all living humans who. And, and it says that all living humans today on the earth came from three genetic lines. And we know that's true in Genesis because those three genetic lines were the sons of Abraham, or sons of Noah after the flood, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then they said that also their research showed that beyond those three genetic lines, it goes back to one woman in what they call recent geological time in the, in the article. And so we, it goes back to Eve. So even the genetic research that's being done Uh, proves the Bible is absolutely correct. Wow, that is fantastic. Evolution is a belief system. Uh, Yes, it is, because they use all kinds of weasel words in every instance in the textbooks and research you're going to find in evolution uh, articles, words such as possibly, could have been, might be. Evolution, for all all of its hype about being true, never uses absolute descriptions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's right. So uh, science asks us to believe in evolution, uh, since so much of what is taught cannot be directly observed. We have one minute left. Yeah, that's what I would say. That would be the summary of everything that we, we've, we've done uh, in this half hour, that, that that's it. Sci- uh, evolution is actually a belief system. Because you get down to the, the final nitty-gritty of it, um, the evidence is, they say the evidence is there, but in order to put all the evidence together, you have to believe it's true. And so it's actually a faith system. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the Bible is, is much more uh, faithful for us. You bet, you bet. And I want to just encourage our listeners to look to the Lord, look to his word, study it. 
go to church this weekend. If we can help you in any way, please let us know. Again, you can call to get our Reasons to Believe booklet, one 317 4326. You can also learn more about Family Shield by going to our website, www.familyshieldministries.com. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a radio production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people to know Christ, grow in His Word, and strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri 63123, or call 1-877-317-4326. A CD of today's program is available upon request.